Hi, everybody. This is Kevin Sabosky with Fastest Route, where we have a people-centered approach to succeeding at business. We help ambitious solopreneurs go from being okay to thriving in the shortest amount of time. Spencer's here with me producing today, and our guest is George Pariseau with Brainstream. Brainstream is a company, and George is the founder, where they work with business owners and people who need to connect well with customers and clients, and he helps them tell their story in a way that works best to serve their customers. Welcome, George. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for uh, having me. <laughs> yeah, it's been, uh, it's uh, I've, George, I've known you for, I don't know, six, seven years now, if not more, and I've always been appreciative of your approach to business. I think in a lot of ways we're similar, very sort of thought, you know, we study a lot of things. And so I'm really grateful to have you here on the podcast today. Would you, would you take a minute and share with our listeners how you got started in your business? How's it going? What do you think about business? Uh, just sort of give us a background about you and Brainstream. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've always wanted to be self-employed and, uh, it was, you know, I had a lot of people in my life that were, that I worked for that were business owners, small business owners specifically that, um, you know, just served as really cool role models. And, uh, you know, I found myself a few years after the, uh, great recession of 2008. Um, I was working and going to uh, taking classes in digital film and video production um, in, in a, at a local community college here in Ann Arbor. And I, um, you know, it was like, you know, 2015 ish, 2013, 2014, whatever that, that period of time. And, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't see any great job prospects. So, you know, I started doing contract work uh, like early 20 you know 2013 or late 2013 uh through 2014 so i kind of got my feet wet and um you know I, I honestly i asked myself there were two there were two things it was first of all was like well look this looks like an opportunity to start your own business you know you're in a good spot you should just go for it uh and the second thing that popped through my mind was well really how hard could it be to start my own business <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah right. no seriously and that, and that seven years later i have now, some answers to now you that. know now you know <laughs> <laughs> the, the truth is it's actually extra incredibly easy to start a business but it's the the running it and maintaining it and growing it <laughs> that's the challenging part yeah yeah. Nice. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, starting a business is easy. Having a successful one is where it becomes <laughs> more challenging. Yeah, and I've I've really appreciated, uh, you know, and I think you and I met pretty early on in your in your path there, and I've always appreciated uh -huh. the intensity with which you study, and you know, y y you are serious about learning the stuff of business. And, and I know that the stuff of business is not MBA kinds of things for you. It's really, I, you know, I, I hear you studying all sorts of things. So I've always enjoyed that. Is that, that's a passion Thanks, of yours? Yeah. yeah. 
Well, so what do you do to I, I study? Just... How do you approach that? <laughs> Interesting question that I wasn't expecting. Um, so I, I think, first of all, I've, I've always had an innate curiosity about how things work, how the world works, um, that sort of thing. I've just always been, you know, asking a lot of questions, even if it's I never went ahead and did anything with the information. I was always like, oh, okay, that's cool, and then moved on. And so um, my approach to learning, you know, I've, I've been in the academic space, and the theory and practicum is great. Um, I've always found that I've been in, in the best learning circumstance when, um, you know, uh, I'm actually doing something when I throw myself into something that that so yeah. for me it like forces me to map out and say hey what a, what's what's really going on how does x y and z work how are all these things connected you know I, I intentionally started my business as video production but I pretty rapidly decided that I needed to learn aspects of digital market like the in, the ecosystem of digital marketing hmm. how our company is using it today you know, those little things so that like I could tailor what I'm doing to um, help my customers within their, uh, you know, ecosystem that they're operating in. So, and I, I say customers, but really, I mean, clients, you know, I, yeah. I, customers, I got to retire that word. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, so nice. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's my answer. I like it. Yeah. So. I think one of the things that I've noticed about you is, is you know, so at the beginning in my intro, I say we're a people take a people centered approach to succeeding a business, and yeah, and a lot of people have no clue what that means in a way. Uh, but you know, I really see it as a network of commitments amongst these like animals, human beings who are biological. You know, there's and so studying the realities of, you know, this wet system, so to speak, you know, it's like the right. we're biological, I think is really profound in terms of the differences it makes. And, and the thing that I want to focus with you today is, is mood, which is like one of the most human things to me. There's this thing that I see when, when you ask an entrepreneur, how's it going? We all know the correct answer is great. <laughs> <laughs> but generally you know when you talk to someone who's running a business if they're honest you know a lot of us have our human struggles our challenge with being confident you know our worries our fears if we could just walk around consistently with the mood of passion and confidence i think all of us would be so much more uh, successful yet that's not the reality of being uh, of, of being a human and I think that you see that and I think that you're conversant and you study it in a way that I don't see in a lot of people so you and I can have conversations that have a level of depth and so so do you do you accept my you know my my point that you know mood has this significant effect on our ability to be successful as business people yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's a major factor for sure. And how how does that influence you? I mean, do you do you do you sort of observe yourself? I mean, what do you think? And I don't know, this may not be the right way to phrase it, but what what do you think you know about 
mood and this sort of thing that a lot of people don't because I think that you you do study this and look at it or yeah or not well I mean I mean this is obviously this is this is a, uh, some people know it I'm not always um you know public with it but some people that i have close confidence in i have talked about this and you know in my late 20s um i was diagnosed with uh, a serious mood disorder and um you know i might be exaggerating a bit but it it kind of made my life hell through my there then in my early 30s um until i learned and was able to like sort of shape my behavior towards um you know influencing my mood mm. so I, I i think you know i say this from the perspective of someone who's had uh very strong shifts in my mood for no reason mm. um but those shifts did impact you know my personal and, and professional life and you know when i finally was able to you know learn how to deal with that and manage that in a way that um gave me i would say more of a neutral um neutral stance uh i certainly operate in life uh, much more fully i believe yeah do you think that that's go ahead Well, I just say it to to I'm going to speak in in broad general sweeps on this because I think you know uh, I I think like I mean for me now today and and let me put it this way I'm in my early 40s and it took me about 10 years to you know of of how do I how do I get past this mood how do I get you know, I don't feel like doing this or, you know, whatever. Like it, it, it took, it took me about 10 years to really get a grasp on it. I think I'm at a place in my life now where things are operating. Um, I'm operating on more cylinders, so to speak, than uh, I was before. And, and, and so like really what, what influenced that I think first was, you know, recognizing that there was a challenge and, and, and getting the, uh, help from other people, uh, people in my community, mentors, whomever, uh, to figure that one out. Um, when it comes to things like health, right? So exercise, mm. weightlifting, tremendously important for me. If I don't, if I go for a couple days without lifting, I, I my mood is not so great, but you know, when I do go and, and the, it, it really sets the tone for my day. Um, you know, I also do a lot of walking, um, and my favorite activity, uh, kayaking or paddling my kayak on a, on a lake. And, and that contributes to physical, you know, and, and mental, um, and some might even say spiritual health. Um, and, and so those, those practices were helpful. I think, other practices, you know, like I said, having a, a counselor or someone you can talk to uh, to go over what's going on in your life, someone to, you know, you know, just to vent with or on, <laughs> you know, that's 
that's I found that to be helpful. Um, you know, and just just staying active. Like you know, um, a long time ago, maybe not that long ago, but many years ago, I actually was able to hear a famous guy out there. His name is Seth Godin. Um, speak. And, and maybe I'm. I hope I'm not go, getting ahead of my our, ourselves here. But um, Seth Godin was talking about marketing and all this other stuff, and he talked about how this guy in the 20s, and I'm hopefully I'm, you know, at least paraphrasing him correctly. The guy, his name was Hugo Gernsback, invented this concept, wrote this book called, you know, on on how to solve. Uh, the problem of writer's block. And hmm. Seth Coden said, no. Writer's block's a human invention. Hmm. He said, the solution to 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 writer's block is just to write. The cure, the cure, the simple cure for writer's block is to get in front of your desk, typewriter, whatever, and just start writing. And hmm. he had he had a really good point there because um, you know, uh Sometimes I'm not in the mood to to do some piece of work or to write for my, you know, write something for my business. And I have to sit myself down and start doing that. And then, you know, shoot, I'll find out five minutes later, I'm, I'm happy writing. It's like, what a shock. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've, anyway, I've revisited that recently because, you know, I mean, there are all these things that influence mood. I mean, regardless of, of the degree to which you know we we all have shifts in our mood we have different shifts you know degrees of shift but this is the human condition unless you're mm -hmm. pathologies you know where people don't have that but it's it's a normal human condition um and one of the and so i'm always looking for what are the things that influence my mood one, one of the things that like throw me off and what are the things that can pull me back and one of the and I, I cycle be, be, between them because I forget, <laughs> you know, I don't know about you. Right. But for me, the, what you just said reminds me of what's been, become a reminder to me is, um, is accomplishment. Accomplishment is one of the most mm -hmm. important um, mood influencers for me. And so when I'm stuck and I don't, I'm not feeling it and I'm not into it, I, I seek some way to accomplish things because it's one of the natural dopamine producers, right? Is, if you no, it could be something... something Yep. Yeah, I mean, it could be as simple as like tying your shoes or like, you know, throwing out the trash. It's silly, but I've heard about yeah. that before, and I forget yeah. what it was. It's like, what's the one little thing? The not to thing. be, not to be confused with the one thing, but what's like? Okay. What are some little things you can do to get to start building up that momentum? And maybe that's ties into the one thing. I I haven't read it that much, but. Yeah. Um, I am aware of it. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that's totally, I, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And I have these little practices where I like my writer's block comes. I've just really struggle with doing like Facebook ads. I'm just not wired to create Facebook <laughs> ads, and, but I have to, I have to. And so sometimes I'll, sometimes if I can't bring myself to do it, I'll just say, I've have to sit in front of my computer for 20 minutes. And then if I'm really bad, I'll say five minutes, five minutes, I just sit there. And wow. then that little bit of accomplishment, if I sit in front of my computer for five minutes, even if I don't type anything, it, it, you know, moves me. 
Anyway, that's interesting. That's, that's that's good. I didn't even think of that. I just I just jump right into the activity. But I mean, yeah, that makes sense too. You know, and maybe that's for something. It's maybe I should try that for sometimes I'm at, or for when I'm having something really difficult going on. But I, I was gonna say I was gonna put this out, especially as I was thinking about this. I mean, like, what if our hunter gatherer hmm. ancestors weren't in the mood to go out and hunt? Like. Ah. You know, today, like today, we're it's pretty easy. You go to the fridge, you grab some food, you can eat. But I mean, like these guys had to go out, whether they liked it or not, or else themselves and their tribe would be like wiped out. Like, and and this could even even early settlers in America. I mean, people oh, living God. in the West, you know, it, you, they couldn't afford to let their moods dictate, you know, how they operated. Yeah. <laughs> So, so should we and, like hire someone to hunt us, or like should we starve ourselves? I don't know. Whether to you, but is I, but I, that is a curious I mean, question because it is it is all sort of biological and evolutionary psychology stuff. You know these sorts of things. Yeah, um, that's. And you brought up. I, I break it down. I, you know, one of the things that I really struggled with is like, where is this mood coming from? You know, I would always struggle with like, why am I feeling this way? And I broke it down into three different categories. It's coming from physiology. So there's sometimes where, you know, I'm not eating right. I'm not exercising. You know, the, your thing about the gym, if I'm not doing that, I think I'm there now right now, by the way. It's like I haven't been exercising enough. And so physiology influences your mood. I think right. that uh, th there's a thing that I call like spirituality or narrative or beliefs or philosophy. It's like uh, the, our interpretations of the world. Like uh, um, I'm coming up with this uh, portfolio of what are the narratives that that derail me, and and you know one of the one of the narratives that exists in my brain is that you're screwed. You know when all the data is like opposed to that it's like i'm doing fine but somehow this voice tells me it'll never work out so that's just a narrative right so there are there are these narratives and then and then psychology which is those patterns that we got when we were kids right so if somebody and i noticed this when somebody says something to me and it really produces an outsized emotional reaction i know that's poking at something some you know psychological or emotional weakness what so do you do you go through so i mean i think you said something really key in terms of your life in terms of you came to the point where you saw it and you observe it and you're and you know so the first step is being able to recognize it and make an assessment about what it is do you struggle yeah, with that like i, I mean, did which is like where does this come from why do i feel like this well i think there's definitely there's kind of a couple things, right? There's the there's a, it is definitely self awareness is definitely an important component in all this, um, and I had, you know, many years to practice to learn of like to practice and learn about like myself and like, you know, what mood am I in? Why am I feeling the way I'm in? What's going on? You know, and you know, so. I, I guess for ex boy, this is a real, real. Uh, this is going to open up a a lot here, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm really just just uh, just doing this to buy some time to form my thoughts, really. But um, do you mind? Do you mind like repeating that question again? 
like that well, inquiry so, about the inquiry. Yeah. So what I, what I see is like a lot of people aren't even aware that they're in moods or that the or that moods are negotiable. They think that you know they're, the the mood that they're in is a natural, true result of the situation they're in. And so the first step is to recognize that you have maybe not control, but a significant amount of influence over the mood you're in. And just because you're in a mood doesn't mean it's right. And so assessing, how do you assess right. the mood, right? That's the question. Is like, how do you assess the mood that you're in? Because if you, or, or, or where it came from is really the thing. Is like, because if you want to make that mood, shift that mood, there are different tactics that you use. In other words, if it's not physiology, if you're not, you're in, if, if the mood isn't triggered by a physiological reality, then exercising isn't the thing that's going to make the difference today. It's something else. It's narrative or psychology for me. What do, do you have a similar? Well, yeah, certainly. Like, what are you, what, what, you know, I think it's, it's good. So I'll, I'll just use an example. Let's say I'm worrying about something, right? Let's say I'm worried about something, you know, and, and, and I think, or, you know, I think that, some things I like to do are, you know, first of all, like, you know, assessing, like, is this worry, does it have any root in reality, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, right? So you go down those, yeah. those different trees of like, well, it doesn't, then I shouldn't be worried about it, even though I still am. <laughs> is it an irrational fear, you know? Um, I think another thing that really helps is um questioning your beliefs about the current circumstances or situation that you're in or maybe that you think about someone and and really identifying what's truth versus what is an assumption you're making mm -hmm. um because i think you know uh you know, we get, we get caught up on these assumptions and, you know, especially in business, you know, it's, we're making decisions at like lightning pace, even though sometimes we should be taking some time to make those decisions. Right. And I think the, the challenge is, is that, you know, I can, like, I can go back and look at a, at a sales circumstance where I was in a sales call and I realized that, you know, man, I really made a lot of assumptions about this situation before i propose this solution and you know you have to really you know you, you have to there's a balance there between um you know really nitpicking something to death and and just saying okay let's let's revisit this without these assumptions and see what else is going on so um you know and I don't think anybody's perfect in dealing with that, but I think, you know, at least trying to be aware of your assumptions that you're making can, can sometimes change how a circumstance feels, right? I, I'm the type of person that always, you know, expects the worst thing to happen, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's some survival instinct, um, you know, that I still have from whenever, that says, I, you know, and, and, and that, that, ser that actually serves a benefit, right? You know, and on one hand, it means that, you know, I put 10 more irons in the fire than uh, I think are going to pan out. And the other thing, too, is, you know, it, it, it makes me cautious in planning, you know, how I, how I execute my work and, and 
what I do suggest, you know, uh, an approach to the work I do uh, comes out. Yeah, nice. I it's, it just brought up a whole bunch of questions for me. There is like it's it, you brought up that you know challenging your own beliefs and and when I think yeah. of you know so to me if I have a physiological challenge to my mood, I can I can recognize that and I can take action. What I find is if you've got a narrative challenge, if the if, yeah. if you have a false narrative that's that's producing a mood it's nearly impossible for people to talk themselves out of that because we don't live in this place where it's like oh i have an interpretation about the world i wonder if that's correct most people live in the place of i can see the world clearly and the world is screwed up you know or like they hate me or i (laughs) think we think we're seeing it with clarity and and the, even right. the notion to shift your 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 narrative is tough to do on your own. And so you were talking well, about having a counselor. And, you know, to me, that's the, yeah. I mean, it's a person yeah. you trust, right? Where do you? So to me, right. your narrative is screwed up. And so that's that thing. You know, if you've got a customer, uh, geez, did, did I hear that? Uh, that's the place where I talk to someone else. You know, because I can live in my own head, yeah. and my own bullshit, and that's so easy. And at least, you know, I'm grateful that I can see that because a lot of people can't even see that. They just live in the the truth of what they see, right? They don't. Well, they don't say, yeah. I, I was gonna say I agree with you on that. I understand that. And then at the same time, um, and it's it's because other people in my life have pointed out to me when I thought, whatever. Let's say something really negative about a situation or myself um i'd had other people in in, around me and maybe you were one of them i don't remember an event where that happened but where they said you know how do you know that's true like you don't Mm. you don't realize that you know And, and 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 so i've engineered my own inner coach i guess out of necessity um when i'm trying to push through whether it's business or personal um what's often an emotionally difficult circumstance for me maybe it was a as a result of like behavior that i learned when i was younger um i'll just ask myself you know how do you know that isn't true and then i'll i'll maybe step in and engage that situation with the idea that whatever head trash i'm bringing to it is um you know unfounded and that's been working out for me quite a bit (laughs) yeah yeah i mean this is part of what i was talking about at the beginning i think you know your level of self-awareness is unusual i find you know so this is something that i bring in my practice in terms of assessing Mm. people's moods and um and you know what i see most people the narrative that they have isn't an interpretation to them it's the truth and so this you know yeah the situation that you have that ability is profoundly valuable, you know, to be able to like question yourself and look at it and then talk to someone else and say, am I being crazy here? I mean, that's such a, that's a, it's an amazing level of self-awareness. And I'd have to say just for the business people out there, you know, I work with solopreneurs and I work with uh, bigger companies. And, and one of the reasons I really work with mood for solopreneurs is I see it as a big differentiator between what allows people to go from being on their own to having a leadership team. 
And so it's really tough for those people that aren't self-aware enough to be, that don't question their own conclusions, that aren't bringing in people to look at what they're thinking, for them to ever grow to the point where they have a leadership team. And so congratulations on, you know, I mean, we all have oh, whatever, whatever work we did to get to the place, but that's not, I, you know, that's I, I, I have to, I have to, I have to challenge you a little bit though. I, okay. I, I have nice. seen, I have seen people that I believe, uh, aren't self-aware and they just charge through things. They don't even yeah. question things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if it's, they got that way, if they're, you know, if it's just, you know, a physiological mental wiring thing, or if it's just, they started, you know, they had a lot of success early on and, and they just don't question why things work out for them anymore. <laughs> or Oh, you mean, or, so you know, you're saying people that are successful, so they can have that sort of mode and still be successful. Is that your point? Is so, that the thing so you're I challenging? Think, I think so. I don't know. I think so. I'm not going to name names, but I've met some people <laughs> and like, oh, I I've have met too, some yeah. people. Yeah. I, I've met some people that were very successful and I, I don't believe they were. I have reason to believe that they were not emotionally aware. But yeah, I think always, that it was because of that. Do you think that's the rule that, or the exception? Well, there's probably an exception. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, yeah, and yeah, I mean, there are people, these bull in the china shop kind of people that just force everything and it's like and it you know you can have some measure of success with that you leave right it's hard to be it's hard to have multiple successes in a row and it's hard to keep that going for your whole life you know those there's usually some i find i don't know proselytizing a little bit that there's some big breakdown in front of them or something but well and i mean you know like people like to reference sports you know and athletes yeah. who and, and i think that's a big part of our our wider culture and they're like you know look at these folks they 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 might be incredibly successful but for every home run they hit they strike out x amount of times you know mm -hmm. they, or you know it's like it's like you know it used to be that i thought this was just like i don't know corporate um like what's the what's the word where you're just like you know it just seemed almost cliche you know uh if we're talking about success and 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 my favorite proverb on success is what i believe is a japanese proverb that says fall down seven get up eight <laughs> get up eight yeah. times <laughs> right, you know right. and it's kind of like it's kind of like what you're you're saying like there there's definitely i i don't think there are Anybody who's been through uh, real, you know, what, whatever you want to define as real success, but anybody who's been successful in their career and their life, whatever it took them, it took them quite a while to to figure that out. And and the more yeah. people I spoke with who are really successful, who are who who are running, you know, million dollar, multi million dollar companies, that just. through as well exactly. so yeah you know it's it, it it really changed my mind that if we're just talking about success that you had to be 
you know, born in such and such a, a wealthy family or whatever. You know, there's one narrative out there that says, well, to be successful, you have to be, you know, six feet tall and, hmm. uh, you know, be born in a wealthy family, be athletic, be perfectly good looking, whatever. Like it's a ridiculous, mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous stereotype. It's a ridiculous narrative. But the point is like, even those people, if that's true, if they had all those things going for them, they're still like, they're still going to have their own obstacles and hurdles that they have to get through in order to, you know, maintain or, or grow. So I yeah, think I just yeah. went down a rabbit hole with this conversation. That's but that's, that was, okay. that's an important point to me. So, you know, it starts with making an assessment and, and I learned mood really, yeah. really working on uh, as a leader, paying attention to other people. And so it wasn't until, you know, I had a team of 30 people and I, I went into another business where I became a solopreneur again, where it's like all that stuff that I'd learned in influencing other people's moods like oh crap i gotta do this for myself because this is killing me (laughs) um right and so you know to me the model is you know identify you have to identify the mood you have to figure out what yours is where does it come from you have to you know recognizing other people's moods because sometimes you know what i find is if someone's in a particular mood you know there's no there's no amount of skill on my part that's going to move them in a certain way it's the only thing i can do is shift their mood and i think natural leaders do this but the next step is to design the mood, right? So if you're going to influence somebody, you want to influence them into a particular mood. And I, I remember the first time that, that this became really operational for me. I had a coach 20 years ago uh, that I was talking to that, um, that we were talking about a customer of mine that was being difficult in my, you know, in my frame. And, and I was saying whatever i was saying and the and the coach said so what mood would you say you're in and i'm like ah shit fuck you, you know what the hell and i'm like uh, uh i i am resentful and he'd say okay so we're trying to figure out what to do with your customer what mood do you think is going to be most effective in you figuring it out is it resentment you know, if you're in a mood of resentment, do you think you're going to design good action with your customer? I'm like, you, ah, no. And so it's like, okay, curiosity, wonder, passion, you know, if, so then, so then there's the design piece. Does that resonate for you? Do you ever find yourself thinking, gosh, what mood should I be? Or what's the most potent and effective mood for me to be in? Is that part of your, I, I am ashamed to say that I don't actively, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't sit here and be I'm not like, oh, what kind of mood am I in? I kind of just take an inventory of my emotions, right? And I'm wondering, yeah. like, is this emotion that I'm currently sitting in going to be productive to what I need to accomplish over the next couple hours or next couple days? And then obviously the answer is either yes or no um or maybe you know <laughs> that would be yeah. an interesting one to go down and then you know i do what i can to like actively influence it you know like i said maybe it's going spending some time with friends or uh going for a walk or getting getting back to exercise or or maybe uh, you know just making sure i'm getting the right amount of sleep that i need to and then the other yeah. thing too is sometimes you just got to give things time. Like, um, you know, we all, 
I mean, I'm an impatient human being sometimes. I, I can be guilty of that, and I'm not sure how many people out there uh, can be the same way, but I know a lot of the high-energy, uh, high-urgency types of personalities out there, impatience is, like, something they live with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, learning to practice patience and just say, no, this needs more time, I'm, I'm not going to take any action. Um yeah, that helps too. Yeah. Know? Nice, yeah. Yeah, waiting is sometimes the best way to influence and Yeah. I think you know, and part of the thought about designing is is a lot of people think that there's good moods and bad moods, but it's really appropriate moods. So I've certainly been in the situation with a team where kind of the appropriate mood and most effective mood was pissed off. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, there are there there are ways that with a team, if you've got if you know it's, it's important as a leader to show emotion, and sometimes when things aren't going right, if people don't see that this is unacceptable to you, they won't move. And so sometimes the sometimes the things that are the appropriate mood look like a bad mood, um, and so it really gets down to more like, okay, so how should I be? So I'm not usually a pissed off guy and so if i'm I, I it is like something i have to have to do is like say okay i think i need to build up my passion and energy around this you know and so shift that way but i want to talk to you about something else which is you know we've talked a lot about um influencing influencing moods and there's a thing that i think about there's sort of like there there are the a prescriptive like there's, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a shit mood now and I need to shift my mood. And so therefore I need to do these things. But then there are a lot of other things that I think of as, as being standard practices that, that make it so you never get in those. So they're, they're more prophylactic, so to speak, which is like really preventing you from shifting into that. And I think that you've, you've, you do that. Um, oh yeah. You know, when, yeah, so so I I heard you say that like especially with some of the exercise. Um do you and you know, I'm curious any other tactics that you have around either one of those about especially like when you're in a in a in a place, do you have like and this is you can almost ask anybody cuz everybody's got these little tips that they have it's like if you're in a crap place, the sort of in the moment what do you do to shift yourself? Do you have any things, any of those? And I'll share one with you that you're probably familiar with just to get your, your creative juices going. I learned yeah, a long time no, ago. That's a good question. Go ahead. I, I, so sometimes when I've, uh, when I have to go do a presentation or something and I'm in a, and I'm in a bad place, I'm in a dark, you know, whatever I will, you know, they talk about the Superman posture, right? So stand up, you know, lift your head up tall, you know, the confidence, throw your shoulders back, and then I'll smile. I'll put a big smile on my face. And there's this neurological reality that if you smile, if you're in a bad mood and you force yourself to smile, it triggers your brain into thinking you're happy. Now, it doesn't make you giddy or anything, but it, it, makes, a, it makes a substantive shift. Um, and so those are the couple of, like, that's a couple of tricks that I use. Do you, have you accumulated any of those, or does that resonate for you? Hmm. 
gosh, I, I just, I think I have so many different rituals that, yeah. that, can, you know, <laughs> right, that I get yeah. into, you know, um, listening to music. Well, Do you ever throw on music? I have music on constantly in some and fashion. Do you, and do you pick based upon the mood that it's going to provoke? Have you ever do that? Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. That is what music does for me. If if I need to be energized, I have my playlists to be like energized and ready to go. If I'm just trying to be like <laughs> introspective and calm and thoughtful and and get some work done, I have a different set of music. Um, I actually. White noise is incredibly helpful. <laughs> mm. Having that on in the background for me, it, well, because you know some music is is not instrumental, right? Some music just throws a bunch of lyrics at you, and that's cool. Except that you know, I want to think. I want to. It's easier for me to think when I'm listening to something instrumental, and um, like white noise is just one example, you know, of uh. something that can like I can play and and. Uh, it sort of creates this, you know, cocoon for me to like sit and focus. Um, and um, I don't know, it's it can be relaxing for some people and it's relaxing for me. Um, I'm trying to think of like what other random, random things will I do? Um, you know, I. Yeah, I wish you, I wish you'd give me this question before so I could have written some tips. For, <laughs> well, maybe we'll from, add like George's <laughs> famous tips. I, you know, like I. Hey, you can come back, or... George. You can come back anytime you want. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling I'll be making future appearances on the Fastest Route podcast. I just. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guarantee I you've got like a long list of these, George. But yeah, they're just so <laughs> intimate about how I, you I, operate. It, when I need to be like, when I need to just like separate, right. When I need to separate from my environment, from my work, from everything, um, obviously my, my favorite activity. And I, I, I think people, I really believe like without defining what they are, you know, you have a physiological, you have a, um, uh, mental, which is part physiological, but men mental also deals with like cognitive stuff, which I'm not convinced that's entirely, you know, chemical based. Then the other thing I believe that people have a, a, a need for is some kind of focused outlet for uh, spirituality, however mm. you define it, whatever yeah. you look for. How do you, how do you, what's the big picture in your world like, and, mm. and how do you, how do you connect with it? You know, and and yeah. I think that that there, yeah, I think there, there's definitely something there that can uh, help mood. Um, and, and there's also the social component, right? Community, friends, family. You know, like what? How can how can that those connections uh, impact your mood? Like, what are you what are you doing within those? And those are things I think about. Um, yeah. Uh, so so when I when I'm going for something that's like physical, mental, and spiritual to me, it's it's my time on the lake with a kayak. Um, right. I go to I go to a lake not that far from where I live. Um, I'm not telling people what that is because I want that lake all to myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Although I brought you along once, yeah, I believe. Yeah, you told me. You but, showed me. Yeah, yeah. But we we did that. Um, 
I just being out there, spending an hour, spending 90 minutes on it at a time when most people don't take advantage of that, like, natural beauty that's out there. Like, it feels like I'm in my own universe. There's no other beings there besides, like, animals and nature, whatever else is there, and the water. And I can just kind of, like... um go into this very relaxed tr- um, almost trance like meditative state that you know i'm not i'm not putting anything out there that other people haven't experienced before like oh, oh, walk in nature definitely yeah totally you know like so so like I, just for me it's been it's been really important um it's been an important activity in my life because uh, you know, I just, you know, I feel like a new person every time I do that, mm. you know, so mm-hmm. I, I, it's just, I found something there, you know, I don't, not everybody's going to find something there, but you know, I'm willing to take people on a tour if they're interested. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for that, George. Appreciate the conversation. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. so I want to, I want to chat with you a little bit as we close on, sure. on your your business so that you you're really helping people produce messages to uh to uh, you know align their customer the customers and clients how how do you do that so is with video what are, you've got kind of special programs as i recall that make that well, easier or- well yeah i mean yeah let, let me i mean kind of the gonna go real quick overview right okay back when i was in back when i was in college um i went to eastern studied fine art or i was studied fine art and graphic design um and at that point in my life when i was in my mid-20s like or early 20s i was like i i want to go into advertising because what other kind of work is there with this (laughs) skill set that i'm learning yeah and i just despised the inhumanity of most advertisements out there because i was like Mm. you know sure people might connect they get fanatical about a certain brand or a certain product or car or whatever that's cool but like when when you're in the business to business space right we know that relationships are what get things done gets things done you know you can't take me to a trade show where every vendor, every supplier, every buyer out there hasn't known each other for at least 20 years. I mean, I've seen it. And, and so, so the, the sort of realization for me was the disconnect between these boring corporate websites was that, look, uh, there's no humanity on this website. There, there's no and, and people do business with people people connect with people and i think video is the perfect medium for doing that and mm-hmm. so that's why you know and i've been in video production for over 20 years now of my career and you know I've, I've seen it time and time again people form can can form some relationship with someone some type of relationship that they see on video and that you know, it's 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 really a perfect medium. If you're a small brand or you're trying to tell people how your products and services are different from the competition or or what unique benefits they offer, uh, video is a great 
platform because mm. it you can deliver a message in under a minute sometimes mm. and you know that that can help smooth the friction in the buying process so basically what i do is as a videographer um with my marketer's hat on is i try to understand you know with my clients you know what are your goals what are your objectives you know what what's what's going on how can i help and i also try to understand their uh technical infrastructure you know how are they reaching their customer we also have a conversation about who is their customer and so let's see if that matches up with reality and then what i like to do because i want to keep this briefer than i have been is i like to help develop a customized program of developing uh, producing video content for my clients that help match um you know what their customers are expecting you know and when what they need to hear and hopefully without all the gristle <laughs> so that you know things can get to the point you know especially when people are are, are making pretty rapid uh, judgments about an organization just based on different things you know and i think that to wrap this up you know every organization has people in it at every level that have a passion for what those companies uh do and and people the people that have been there for some time generally take pride in their job and i i, I think that in my working with hundreds of organizations over the years going into and and, and finding the storytelling you know that stuff is real it's true and at the end of the day, I believe that true stories inspire people to do great things. And the world needs more of that, people doing great things. And that these stories can be found in every organization. I, I firmly believe that. And I mm -hmm. think that when they're brought out and, and when they're caught, you know, you really capture and portray the soul of the organization. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I love your work. George, I think, you know, I've seen what you've done and I see it demonstrated that the, the artful storytelling exposing the humanity in a passionate way. And so I appreciate you being here today. If somebody if somebody uh, was interested in contacting you, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? I'd say visit my website, brainstreamcreative.com. You can learn about me. You can see some of my work and on the front page of my website is a contact form. And I tell people, look, you try to reach out to me through that. I will get back to you within 24 hours. Hmm. Nice. All right. Well, thanks again, George. It's been a delight. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, sharing your experiences. It's, uh, it's been deep and impactful. I, I appreciate the time. Kevin, we always have great, conversations and i'm glad we get to start sharing those with the world um <laughs> oh, yeah. i did did think that really we should have focused more on talking about paper airplanes and <laughs> spencer will, spencer will know what i'm talking about <laughs> oh i ask know him. what you're talking about but, <laughs> but, but i want to thank you very much for uh having me on this is great and i hope to, <laughs> hope to participate more in the future yeah, glad to I'd love to have you back. All right, George, take care. All right, take it easy, man. Bye. Thanks, George. Bye bye.